Welcome to Church Ahead, the weekly Christian podcast talking about big questions facing the future of church with Rev L all the way from the north of England. Welcome back to Church Ahead and welcome to the start of Series 2. This series is going to look at what church says about Jesus. Is it any good? Is it true to Jesus? I promise you big issues and I don't think there's anything bigger than that in the life of the church, is there? The topical hot potato we'll take out of the oven is sexuality. We'll look at the Church of England process, LLF, and there's a prize for anyone who can give me the best nickname of what that acronym stands for. Living in lust and... Living in loathing and fear? Yes, there'll be some pop music... We'll look at the conferences of some different movements trying to reform the church today. But we begin with three weeks looking at the clergy. Today, three vicars who mean a lot to me. We're going to meet Henry Faithful, Henry Hooray and Brilliant Bob. Three wonderful people who trained me in ordained ministry. Yes, three vicars with the dubious distinction of having me, Revel, as their curate. The training for new clergy in the Church of England is similar in some ways to the training for doctors in our NHS. Doctors spend three-ish years studying academic medicine in a university environment, which they call the pre-clinical bit of their training. And then they go out into hospital on the wards, following experienced doctors around and practicing lower level tasks themselves under supervision in what they call the clinical part of their training. Preclinical and then clinical. And the Church of England gives clergy what is effectively a preclinical training in the classroom at Theological College and then ordains curates to spend a few years working as the junior partner in the clinical environment of a parish. To mix my metaphors, this clinical training period is a bit like an apprenticeship where the curate is closely supervised by their training incumbent. So when you get ordained, you go from being a student in a college to the understudy of one specific priest. And it doesn't take a management consultant genius to work out that this relationship of curate and training vicar is a key part of clergy training itself, with a lot riding on the chemistry between these two people. If this relationship goes well, then the curacy probably goes well. But as you can imagine, it doesn't always end well. So here come the three vicars who trained me. The first I'm going to call Henry Faithful. He was faithful by name and by nature. A reliable, steady, older man coming towards the end of his ministry. Very much loved by his people, he was an effective pastor. He was a natural father figure of the parish. He was kind, caring, reliable, intelligent, but not particularly intellectual, I don't think he'd read a theological book for many years, 
but he certainly knew how to run a parish well. And I learned a lot just by watching how he did it. Very rarely did he ever tell me off, but I learned to read the subtle signals of when he wasn't pleased with me. He was kind to me as he was kind to everyone. He was a lovely man and it was a privilege to work with him. Henry Faithful retired and then along came the second vicar, who I'm going to call Henry Hooray. Energetic and visionary, he was determined to move a slightly complacent church forward. The biggest fault line in the Evangelical Anglican Church of that time was charismatic versus conservative evangelicalism. Henry was more charismatic and he was a bit wary of me to begin with because I was more conservative. But I understood that I was the junior partner in this working relationship and that I was there to help him achieve his vision for the parish, not the other way round. And soon enough, we settled into a good working relationship together. Henry Hooray was posh, businesslike, and perhaps slightly vulnerable emotionally. When things didn't go well, he took it very personally and got really upset. He did a lot of good things in that parish, and I gained a lot from being allowed to play my small part alongside him in what he did. Then came my third and final vicar, Brilliant Bob. Brilliant Bob was a highly gifted clergyman, spontaneous, creative, restless, soul, dynamic, high achiever in the biggest church of the diocese with a large staff team. Once again, he was good to me and treated me well. I fear this is beginning to sound a bit like a hagiography, so perhaps I should tell you some of these vicars' faults and weaknesses. But before I tell you each man's negatives, I want to draw out what I think all three had in common. Put simply, they were all good vicars, good at the job and well-placed to train me. They were successful, experienced clergy who'd all seen numerical growth to some extent in their churches, at least at some stage, bucking the general trend. They were all long-term committed, having been ordained in their twenties like me, and then worked at this thing till retirement, as I expected to do. Doubtless they would have been disappointed that I didn't match their long-term commitment, but they never held this against me. All three were rewarded by their bishops being made honorary canon with a stall in the cathedral. At Theological College, we were obsessed with securing a good curacy with a good man. Well, I was one of the lucky ones. I did get a good curacy of three. They were all married middle-aged men with children. As a single curate, I sometimes felt like I was part of their family. We often ate together. Again, a bit like a medieval apprenticeship. The truth is that the curate-vicar relationship is a little bit like a marriage. You live and work close together. You see the other person's character as it really is, warts and all. 
Right, so now I'm going to dish the dirt and tell you the things I didn't like <coughs> about Henry Faithful, Henry Hooray and Brilliant Bob. I will set out their faults and weaknesses and give you a summary of their main mistakes as I saw them make them. Oh no, ladies and gentlemen, I fear we've had a technological meltdown. I'm really sorry, but several minutes of key content has been lost to the gremlins of podcast technology. It's a terrible setback for Church Ahead. It reminds me a bit of a problem I used to have with receiving mode communication when I was a curate. When I was mixing round the parish, if anybody said anything kind or appreciative of the vicar, I would nod enthusiastically, mentally noting down every word as I repeated the approval back to the speaker and then told others, making sure the vicar himself knew how much he was appreciated. But when parishioners were doing down the vicar, as did happen from time to time, I found that I didn't really hear it very well. I can't stand the way that vicar does this, would just float past me. That vicar of yours is doing that all wrong. Just wouldn't really register. I found that I suffered from a hearing problem, a sort of selective hearing, where I would certainly hear the positives people were saying, but the negatives didn't really get through. I suppose if I'd heard an allegation of serious misconduct, that would have got my attention. But I'm talking about the routine criticism and policy differences of everyday parish life. Now let me see if I can remember some of the clergy howlers I witnessed in those parishes. One clergyman was leading a service where he told the people to stand up when they should be sat down and he told them to sit down when they would expect to stand. Who was that? Okay, I suppose that was me. And the priest who tried to interview a monosyllabic teenager in a youth service with a series of closed questions got a string of grunts. Was that the vicar? No, it was the curate. Oh, and the sermon that offended lots of parents by putting up a cartoon illustration of Jesus sat on a potty designed to show the incarnation. Me again, I'm afraid. Yes, I'm happy to talk about my mistakes, but not theirs. Why would I want to talk up the mistakes of the vicar when it's obvious that I made far more and far worse mistakes of many kinds? When you've worked with someone that close, of course I could dish some dirt, but why would I? Why would I do that? A curate needs the humility of a learner not the arrogance of a know-all, and loyalty, loyalty to the person who goes out of their way to help the curate learn the ropes. I've been talking about the church of two to three decades ago. What about the curates of today? I keep meeting curates today who don't seem to get this. I meet them and ask a fairly general opener, how's it going? How do you find life as a curate? And then, within less than a minute, 
they are openly criticising their training incumbent and telling me how the vicar gets everything wrong and is holding back this curate as well as holding back the parish and, come to mention it, pretty much holding back the whole kingdom of God. Am I impressed? No, I am not. Because what I think they're really telling me is they've got no loyalty and they lack the humility of a learner. Whether their criticisms are right or wrong, their disloyalty reflects badly on them. Again, the curate-vicar relationship is a bit like a marriage, and it never looks good to go around bad-mouthing your spouse. It says something about you, and what it says is not good. There's no question, in my opinion, that there is a clear correlation between curates respecting the boss with faring tolerably well themselves later on, and those who diss their boss are more likely to get bogged down in one bad working relationship after another. The clergy of today are quite different from when I was in the game. People often discuss whether the clergy quality has gone up or down. Have they declined or have they improved? They're certainly different. But when I look at those on this beginner's first step, I'm really not so sure. Soon they'll be vicars, and I'm not impressed by their attitude on the whole. I base this on many encounters where I innocently ask the open question and then listen to what they say with the almost predictable diatribe of disloyalty. And I don't think many of them even realise that every story they tell me against their vicar makes them sink lower in my estimation. The curates of today are older than in my day. They're certainly bolshier. They're much more likely to speak out when they think they're badly treated. Perhaps sometimes that's a good thing. Certainly many of them would see this as progress. Curates, justice. But if you really think your vicar, the person training you, is the enemy you need to fight against, then I think that reflects badly on you and the organisation you're joining. Why does loyalty matter so much? Because it's the basic building block of teamwork. Now, of course, many clergy will work alone without any immediate colleagues. But the kind of worship I like, whether it was the preaching stadiums of my evangelical youth, or the medieval cathedral choral evensong I like so much today. That type of worship depends on groups of people working together. A one-man band is unlikely to put on the sort of show that would get me out of bed. So the sort of church I want to see needs talented clergy who can work with other talented clergy and talented laity. People who can follow and lead and collaborate. But what I see is a lot of bad relationships amongst the clergy. It starts at the beginning and it only seems to get worse. I've told you today about my three wonderful vicars. I'm going to finish by telling you about one of my successes. In one of my curacies, I was succeeded by a gifted, energetic, younger man following me into this post. 
He was popular in the parish, but he didn't get on so well with the boss. He confided that he went back to the ministry training board of the diocese in despair. He just won't do anything I tell him or listen to a word I say. I just don't know what to do with him. Let me see if I can remember what happened to that curate. Oh yes, he's now the diocesan bishop and I'd love to hear the advice he gives deacons when he ordains them. Thank you for listening to Three Vicars. I hope you're enjoying this second series and please join me next week when we ask the question, how do the clergy look normal?